coming from the Springboks and Konya over the top it goes. Creel kicks ahead. Welcome to SA Rugby Podcast. Knocked on. Hi everyone, and we're here with Mark Kilhane. Um Mark, what a weekend of rugby. Wonderful weekend. The one game that I thought was a gimme was the only one that came down to the wire. I believe you didn't watch the last 20 minutes. <laughs> what was the text you sent me? <laughs> Better team won, I'm gutted. <laughs> I said, your team won, I know. <laughs> uh, I think I sent that to you at 50 minutes. Uh, I think after the 48th, 49th minute, um, I was just taking the wife to church and, uh, and uh, ex-wife <laughs> and, uh, and dropped them off and was, was in the parking lot watching the game. Uh, I couldn't go in and, uh, you know, I think praying for a Welsh victory is a bit selfish. And uh, f- I think that well, we're down by nine, they'd just given up another penalty five metres out. I just couldn't take it anymore. Not that I would give up, I just, it, it, I was too stressful. And uh, you, you, you text me and said, any chance of Wales coming back? My answer was, nope. Uh, better team won. On his, better team's going to head one. And for all intents and purposes, that, uh, I thought that, that was, was going to happen. Uh, yeah, and I think Warren Gatlin said it afterwards as well. He said, we'll take the semi-final, but we shouldn't have been there on that performance. But again, uh, we spoke about red cards or yellow cards being influential in these playoff games. My thing about a red or yellow was more down to interpretation. But that was just absolute madness from the French lock. The elbow to the, the face. It was 19-10 up on the attack. Got all the momentum in a game. Wow. And Wales doubting themselves for the first time in a long time. French believing in themselves. It's just, no. oh, I think the, the, the French coaching staff must. But that, that, that is the French for you. That well, moment of genius, a moment of brilliance. And that absolute madness. That implosion that comes in big games. And um, Best result, though, for the tournament. Best four teams definitely in the semifinals. You've got Wales, South Africa. Fantastic matchup in the recent history. Three Welsh wins out of four against South Africa. And England, New Zealand, the last time they played, 16-15 at Twickenham. Only one point in it. To me, both of them, the form teams uh, at this World Cup on the one side. Wales have been up and down the box, a bit down against New Zealand, but have come back well. So, hugely exciting next weekend. Yes, I mean, look at Wales, South Africa. My investment in, in SA Rugby magazine, been here 23 years, but grew up in, in Wales. So, people say, who are you going to support? I say, I can't really lose and I can't win <laughs> on Sunday. Um, for me, watching you know the, the French were, were, were matched up physically, we were we were we were off the pace. We were I did really think we just didn't front up in a, in the physical challenge. Um, we 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 didn't tackle well. We missed tackles, and and the French created those those missed tackles, um, and that moment of madness. Uh, the, but then again, you know the French, Zinedine Zidane in the in the in the World Cup, with that headbutt. I mean. The, they're the only country I know of, and I, I sit to be corrected, that have uh, the crime of passion as a defense. Yeah. You know, so maybe it's something in their culture um, that, that uh, they're a passionate bunch. No, they um, are a passionate bunch, and I, I think that's why they're such a difficult bunch to coach. Yeah. Because they don't even know what arrives, let alone the coaching staff. Yeah. But um, I'd, I'd felt that the Saturday games are going to be the tighter games and that the Sunday games would be the runaway games. And it was a complete role reversal. You, you had Australia that came out for 20 minutes and tried to play entertaining rugger, but very, very stupid playoff rugger. Yeah. And uh, Michael Shaker saying afterwards he'd rather lose uh, 
I'd rather lose playing their way than win playing England's way. I yeah. mean, my goodness. Uh, well, I don't know if he actually used England, uh, but the reference was certainly there. Yeah, you and know? Uh, you know what? I, th I think from an Australian perspective, he's been a big letdown, and they can only be better uh, with a new coaching staff coming in. But they were never in that game. Kudos to England. I thought they were outstanding. Their discipline, yes. their game management. Especially at that one time in the game where they were, I think Australia just scored. And they were on their own def the try line defending. I thought their discipline was incredible. They could have easily given away a penalty or a yellow card there, and uh, they didn't. They defended well, and yeah, their discipline was was, was incredible. And they say the very good teams, uh, the very good teams can win ugly, and when a team shouldn't be close to them and scores, as happened in that uh, when Australia brought it back to seventeen sixteen just after half time, yeah. they went back and scored straight away. And it's like they just went up a gear to get that two-score differential out of the way again. And I just thought they, were, they, they really made, uh, put down a statement. And I thought New Zealand also put down a statement because people say Ireland were woeful. You could say the same for Australia. You look at their results in the last two or three years. But I felt there was, for the first time, there was a lot of doubt within the New Zealand community based on the two Irish wins out of three. And it's the kind of thing you well, always hear when the Springboks play against the All Blacks. That's a team that can beat them. Yes. And I, I, I felt that... That first 15 minutes, they played such complete rugger. And then a moment of just desperation on defense from Richie Mohanga when Sexton kicked that ball to touch 10-0 down, 12 minutes into the game, would have given them a five-meter liner, potentially they could have scored, leapt in the air, kept it in play, and they attacked from that. You just felt that when I looked at that England game and I looked at the All Black game, both victors had the desperation as well. They were fighting for every ball on the ground. Mm. Even when they were up by 20 points, they were fighting to not concede a try, to kind of keep the possession. And uh, yeah, I, th I thought they put down two wonderful statements, which is going to make an epic semi-final worthy of any World Cup final. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I, well, sorry. I couldn't agree more on most of what you said about the New Zealand-England. Uh, England, but I felt that the score flattered England a little bit. It seemed a little bit closer than that. Two intercept tries. Um, Australia weren't a good team at this World Cup. In fact, I think I said uh, a, few, a few shows ago that uh, Ireland would get to the quarterfinals and no more. They wouldn't even, that, that was, the, that, they're just not a team that gets to past the quarterfinal. They're not good enough. They don't have the depth, um, a coach that's leaving. And, I, and we were chatting earlier, and you have a, a Joe Schmidt that was just hadn't adapted to a game that had changed. Everybody caught up to them, and, and again, their wins, Ireland got to number one not because of their performance, and many people are going to disagree with this, but it was as much South Africa beating, and Australia beating New Zealand over a short period of time in the same period that Ireland beat them that got Ireland to number one. For, you know, the box beat uh, New Zealand, they drew with them, Australia beat them, you know, and that's a bad Australian side. And it's, an Ill, it's, a, it's not a well-coached. For all you want to say, I'm glad that Michael Checker has resigned. He did what he, what he needed to do. But nothing's going to change in Australian rugby unless Raylene Castle resigns as well. Well, she's not going to. Uh, she th seems to be putting all the story in who comes in to coach. But they've got serious problems. Yep. And, and if you just look at that game, uh, you know, England knew what Australia was going to come out with. And they just had to keep their defensive lines. And they prayed off Australia's mistakes. Yep. So the one thing that Australia was never going to be able to do was chase the scoreboard. And they were 12 points down within, within five minutes. Yep. Uh, and, and then you knew it was just going to be an uphill battle. 
and I, I just felt the moment, I, I hear what you're saying in terms of the scoreline 40-60 maybe not being an accurate reflection of the first 60 minutes of the game. Mm. But I always felt the momentum and control was with England. Even though Australia, from, from a spectator's point of view, visually looked like they were the strongest side, but they were playing helter-skelter and frantic mm. rugger. A mm. uh, bit like Japan did against us in the first 40. It looks fantastic, but where are they actually going? And, uh, mm. and I just thought it was, of all the matches, I would say uh, that England, and I know New Zealand played that, what they would call the perfect game, but also look at how Ireland didn't front. Australia at least were in the game at, uh, for periods. Yes. I thought England, it was more, England's performance was more than I expect to see in a semi-final or a final, because that kind of New Zealand performance, I think it was once in a generation, uh, that a team comes out and plays that kind of faultless footy. And um, yeah. I just can't wait till, till Saturday, 10 a.m. It's going to be a cracker. And I don't think it would be an upset if the All Blacks win. I don't think it's an upset if England wins. Uh, there will be no shock either way. And it's, uh, it's just going to be fantastic for World Rugby. And it's strength of Northern Hemisphere against strength of Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, I, you know, and people are asking me already what's going to happen. You know, let's, let's relax for a second. Let me... As a Welshman and, and a passionate, you know, uh, resident of South Africa, uh, today, yesterday was was an emotionally draining day. You know, you want to take the wins when they come and enjoy them, and then start to process the information. And this is what this show is about: is is just talking about that. So, you know, I'm not going I'm not, I'm not fielding any questions about the games. I haven't even started thinking about them uh, to to any 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 depth of analysis. What um, what I would like to say though is, let's put the New Zealand victory into perspective. Um, they beat Ireland by 24 points. Uh, they were they were great, and maybe Ireland didn't have didn't front up anyway, you know. But Japan beat Ireland. Japan beat them by seven points or six points, I believe. So when you so when you look at what South Africa did to Japan yesterday, they beat them by 23. And if 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 you'd have had uh, LaRue that had been on form, and he hasn't been on form for the whole tournament, we'll get into that later. If LaRue, had, you, so we should have beaten them by 40. So you have, let's put it in perspective. But if, the, you, if you go back to the differentials, actually 34 points of difference, 46-12, okay, uh, for the All Blacks. So they, that's 34. Uh, Ireland won, uh, lost by 7 against uh, Japan. So 7 from 34 gives you, what, around 27, 23 differential. And we played New Zealand, there were 6 points in it. Mm. They would say 4. That was 10 points in it. We lost by 10. Oh, by 10. So, yeah. And then that gives you 7. So they, it's so similar to how it's these other games have played out. And when it comes to the likes of Wales, South Africa, yeah. England, and New Zealand, it's a one-score game. Uh, yeah. and, and, if, and it's a final. It's going to be a final. So... You know, so let's not. Let's yeah, we, we'll get there later in the week. But yeah, we'll get, uh, let's, we'll get there later in the week, we'll anal and we'll analyze and we'll 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 try and come up with with uh, the narrative we think is going to happen. I think I was spot on with the narrative in the South Africa game. You know, I was surrounded by South African fans yesterday, and I am a South African fan. But guys were going crazy. I just said, "You're winning. We're winning." In the next twenty, last twenty minutes, you can't play at that level, that level of intensity for Jap Japan. They got nothing coming off the bench. The cavalry was always coming for, for Rassi. He'd, he'd, planned a, a, he'd, he'd staged a, a good plan. And if not for a few silly mistakes by, by, by the box, you know, I felt that the box tried to play a bit of Harlem Globetrotter rugby yesterday. You had Sia Khaleesi back around the back pass, putting it into play around his 22-meter line. You had, um, you had guys trying to keep the ball alive in situations, almost imitating the Japanese. There was no need to. 
had Willie LaRue that knocked the ball on. And this is my, and let's, get, let's, let's, you know, Willie LaRue had a shocker yesterday. But it shouldn't surprise anybody because he hasn't had a good game for a while. I don't know why Rassi is, is persisting with that. Can you maybe give some insight into that? Look, all I can think of is that he may feel that as the veteran in the back three, he's giving both those wins a lot of comfort. There could be a lot of off-the-ball talking that's going on, positional play. Colby's only into his second season and Pimper's mm. into his first season. So he could be saying, and he has that strong left foot as well that complements the, the right foot of Pollard. Mm. So he's making mistakes, and he's kind of making the mistakes that a player out of form, who, who has played well, mm. tends to do. He's, he's trying too hard. He's overcompensating. Um, you know, that he'd ordinarily make that pass to Peter Steff. It just drifted forward. Uh, then he knocks one on and because just drifted forward. I don't think Tom Brady completed a pass last weekend in the NFL that was more forward. Well, than it, that. It, it also depends on what <laughs> just is five meters. Eh? Yeah. But uh, it's he also is very emotional on the field when he drops a ball or he's, he's, his face drops. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah. But I think the only reason he'll keep him there, and I don't think he'll make any changes. One in his mind, he's not going to change a winning formula, mm. is because of the experience that he provides. Yeah. Um, and he has the insurance policy on the bench. Mm-hmm. If it all does go pear-shaped, Fronstein is the ultimate sub for them at the moment. He can come on, play 12, play yeah. 10, play 15. The days of playing win, I think, are gone. Yeah. But uh, he, he got his mix rights, I think, for the game. When we spoke prior to the tournament starting, yeah. you also said Ireland wouldn't go past the quarters. And the, the thing was, everyone's Ireland will play the box. And you said the box will smash them. And yeah. I think the box would have dealt with them as comfortably. Yep if not necessarily as stylishly as New Zealand did. Yeah. Um, when I looked at the Japan thing, we spoke earlier last week and we said 30-point differential when they last played them was 34 points. Well, I said 20. Well, we, we started with 30. Well, you started and, with 30. And I... then said the occasion, the emotion, will give Japan 10 for that. It will be a 20-plus okay. yeah. comfortable victory. 23 points the differential. Yeah. Pollard missed seven points, two conversions and a penalty. It takes us into 31. Dialandi's try should have been given. Yeah. He wasn't held in the tackle. And, but for Valila Rue not straightening with a pass, Peter Steff over. So yeah. that's 43 points. We'll okay, take it that Pollard maybe even misses that conversion. Let's, let's add this though, Mark. Let's add the Wayne Barnes factor. Well, that would have been 65 points because I mean, he was... Well, he, was he, uh, <laughs> he refereed one team. That was South Africa in the first 40. Yeah. And, and I was looking around. We were at, we were at uh, the Roundhouse in Camps Bay. Beautiful venue. Not, I've got paid nothing to say that. It was just spectacular. You know, we were very privileged in this country to, to be able to watch a rugby game like that with that surrounding, overlooking the Atlantic Ocean, and, and, and it was just such a great day. But I, I was looking around, and, and I was, I, I don't know if I was watching the same, but, but everybody was just, you know, the conspiracy theorists started talking after 20 minutes. I was convinced that Wayne Barnes must have have an, have an account where he got paid to referee that first 40 minutes for Japan because there was no the, his understanding of the game was so off and, and, and I wonder what was going through his mind but you know the criticism in 2007 in the quarterfinal between New Zealand and, and France which he refereed when the forward pass was missed to the try mm. uh, New Zealand had 200 pickups and go uh, France made 250 tackles and weren't penalised once. Yeah. They were falling all over the ball, coming in from the one side. And uh, his response was, if you get 200 pick-up and goes, you should be good enough to win the game. But he was the criticism from Graham Henry at the time was, this guy refereed one team, not two. Yeah. And in the first 40 minutes, I felt he only refereed South Africa's uh, inaccuracies and let everything go. There was, there was one Japanese movement, I think there were four forward passes. Yeah. And... And the commentator, uh, Matthew Pierce, was saying... Well, he's the guy who's now officially changing his name to Tom Brady. 
Yeah. yeah. And it's like he was like, that's, that's, that's marginal. That's not marginal. It was forward by a long shot and no one, the touch judges didn't pick it up. No. The Japanese were coming in from the side, scrambling, killing every ball. Well, especially on that, that rolling muck, uh, rolling mall. I mean, how many penalties could he have given in, in, well, in that instance? I don't think I've ever seen a, a rugby championship game or a Six Nations when the t- tier one teams up against each other where a team has marched another team 15, 20 meters and the, the, the hint of the hand doesn't even come out no. for you're about to... In, 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 obstruct the mall or kind of collapse it and then the Delande try the Delande try he wouldn't go upstairs even and you know if he had gone upstairs and we spoke about it before we started the show uh Beast should have got the red card but I'm not I'm not but the Japanese winner on uh, on Pimpy that was one of the most horrendous no intent to catch the ball just take the blowout in the air and it happened twice to him and then and he and he took him around the neck around the neck and then there was the gouge on on Colby uh, so then there was a try with Delande, who had Delande had a Delande had a, a, a massive game. Big up to him! Wow. What was amazing was I was there, there was the, he, the guy was tackled. He wasn't held on the ground. There was a second guy that, that was involved, but you can't play a guy on the ground. So Wayne Barnes was the only referee not to refer to the TMO in the entire tournament. He had made a decision that he was going to do his style of refereeing and and he was it's it was the worst game of refereeing i ever i've ever seen in my life by a country distance and and there was some it, it just had me and everybody else watching the game like perplexed because he when, was when, when i when i watched the 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 group matches and it's like how the hell did that bloke just get a yellow or a red for some of those tackles the the high tackles especially in the close contact when a flank's running at a flank or a props running at a lock, every second tackle was around the neck and into an indirect neck roll. Mm. It wasn't even mentioned, it wasn't even looked at. There was so many guys ducking under the other bloke, just cleaning him out straight into the head as well. Mm. It, was, it was just, it was a free for all in the, in the playoffs and they let it go. But when Sir Khaleesi, which is his right as a captain, mm. says, could you please have a look because that was an horrendous challenge in the air. And his response was, you guys kick the ball. What difference does that make? No, you guys kicked the ball. And I just thought there was an arrogance about him in that first 40 minutes. Yeah. And when Barnes also decides he's not really in your favor, we've seen that in the past, it becomes uh, you've got to be a bloody good side then to, to win. And it was only when we got to the two scores up that he started actually officiating the scrum and our absolute dominance up front. And I, I love the, the comment of, of one of the French, uh, the, one of the Japanese players afterwards mm. at the press conference when he was asked, like, you know, uh, mm. How was it? And he said, to, his direct quote was, they beat the shit out of us. <laughs> but I've never seen, he said I, that was so powerful and so big. And credit to, to them also, they stuck at it for 80 minutes. And they're a very well-coached side. Yeah, um, and you know what? They've got six, you know, the Japanese. Let's not get too carried away with Japan. They're flavor of the, they're flavor of the month. They've been a great host. I'm not having a go at them. But let's be honest. They've got six Tongans. Four Kiwis. Four Kiwis, three South one Australian, three Australians, uh, a Samoan, a Tongan, I mean, and a South Korean. I mean, they're not Japanese. There's no. It's not a Japanese team. It's a. It's a mercenary team. So let's not. Oh, they're wonderful. And two and New Zealand coaches. <laughs> yeah. So let's put it into perspective. We, they're flavor of the month. They're flavor. There's been a great tournament. Everybody's caught up in the emotion of it. But in the, the reality is, that they they had 280 days to train. They weren't involved much in the Super Rugby. You know, they, 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 they've been targeting this and, and, and where else in the world of sports, you have a World Cup, 
You know, there's no Uruguay. All, you've got to be Uruguayan to play on that team. You don't see any any English players or French players or you know. So let's put it into perspective. It's not a Japanese team. Yeah, they built a team to to get to playoffs, yeah. and they did. And hopefully, from this, yeah. your next generation of local based player yes, and yeah. Japanese born player will feel that that rugby is a is a sport of choice at school and at varsity level, and they've got something to aspire to. So I think. Yeah. Them making the playoffs was, was massively important for, uh, for Asian rugby, for Japanese rugby. I see now people are uh, commenting and saying, revisit the Sun Wolves thing, bring them back to Super oh, Rugby. Nonsense, sake. you know? Yeah. It's, you put that Sun Wolves side back and they'll take 50 points every time. Well, what is the reluctance of the RB to wake up and, put, and, and host a World Cup in America, North America? I mean, it's about time, because the future of rugby is not in Asia. You're not going to get Chinese guys playing rugby. You know, and it's, um, I mean, Wayne, let, let's get back to Wayne Barnes back, because I, <laughs> yesterday, it's the, I've only swore in front of my son, who's nine now, once in my life. Yesterday was the second time. And after he, after he didn't call that high tackle, everybody around the table was just looking and ex waiting for the, the, you know, him to do the square thing and say, you know, we're, we're going, and his arrogance, like you say, this thing, the, it was the second time I swore in front of my son, and I, and I spelt it out to the to people. Someone said, where is he from? I said, he's English. And me being Welsh, you know, I just said he's a, you know. And so I spelt it out. My son came up to me on the, on the lawn when I was trying to calm down after the game. And he said, Dad, why do you, why do you, why do you spell when you know I can spell? <laughs> W-A-Y-N-E. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But yeah, I just, I just yeah. felt that... And again, that's the one thing that's always quiet from World Rugby is mm -hmm. had that been England against whoever, another referee, and that tackle was missed mm -hmm. and it was decisive, we wouldn't have heard the end of it. So, uh, and funnily enough, there's been nothing about Barnes's performance post the game. And the only one who they're talking about is Yaku Paper because he posed oh. with a few cheerful, joyful, and possibly... Uh, well, the Welsh are charming, aren't they? Yes. Except for me. Um, and... So he's, 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 he, ha he takes a picture, and now they want to have an investigation. Grow up, IRB. I mean, come on. This is, you guys need to really get a wake-up in terms of uh, your investigations and your priorities. But it's interesting now when you look at the, the playoffs, and we're talking about referees. Is, is Wayne Barnes going to get a, a, a semi-final or a final? Well, if England are there, he can't, because he's English. Yeah. So... Uh, you know who comes right back into the fray again? Oh, God, don't say it. The French referees. <laughs> so, so by default, they're there because if it's Wales and... Uh, well, Nigel Owens can't get the Welsh game because Why Wales not? are playing. Uh, so if Wales go through the final, he's out. If England go to the final, Barnes is out. If South Africa go through, Paper is out. So what's left? Some crappy Australian referees. Well, there's, uh, there's, no, in, Scottish, there's no Scottish referee. An indifferent uh, New Zealand referee and the two French guys again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> hey, Laurel and Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> Laurel and Hardy. Yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah. So prepare for a... And I, and I reckon if it's a, if it's a uh, South Africa-England final mm. and Garcia's gets it, can you imagine the madness of that breakdown? Because everything goes. Oh, <laughs> right, listen, you know, we're going to take a couple of days to enjoy it. We, and um, it's very tempting to get back into analyzing, but we're going to take, uh, we're going to, we're, South Africa, enjoy the victory. Yeah. You know, it was a great plan by, by Rassi, executed well. And, you know, we're going to back Willie LaRue. It sounds like Rassi is, so, okay, I'm going to get behind him. Um, and let's just be positive and celebrate it. Let's not, 
it's not we're gonna we're gonna kill Wales. I'm gonna tell you why you're gonna beat Wales this week in my next show. I guarantee you're gonna beat them. There's no way Wales are winning. You may you're gonna disagree with me, but I'm gonna tell you why. But I you know wait for it for a couple of days, and uh, let's enjoy. As a Welshman, we got lucky. I'm, enjoy, I'm enjoying the Welsh victory and the fact that we're in the final four. I suggest you guys do as well. Just let's, just bring a bit of humility to this week uh, about your your your, your about your comments and that. So let's enjoy what we've we've done, and we'll see you in a few days with with another with another uh, uh, video if you want to watch. Anyway, thanks, Mark. Thanks, sir.